You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Michigan Wild podcast. Uh, it has been a long time. I don't even want to, months since you have heard from me. Uh, and for good reason. Uh, I just became too busy uh, and just could not uh, commit the time to the podcast uh, that it needed, uh, that it deserved. Um, so uh, kind of behind the scenes, uh, I've been working with uh, Dan Johnson uh, from Sportsman's Empire, uh, and we have found a new host for the Michigan Wild podcast going forward. And I have him here with me tonight as a, kind of a, a passing of the torch, if you will. Uh, so I'd like to welcome in Nate Roosevelt. Nate, how are you tonight? Doing fantastic. Enjoying the enjoying the evening so far. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, we've obviously so when uh, Dan had first kind of said like, "Hey, I've got a guy that's that's you know that wants to take over the podcast." Um, he put us in contact with with each other, and uh, the first time that we actually like sat down on the phone, I mean, shit, I think we talked for like an hour or, or real close yeah, to it easy. that night. Yeah, it was yeah, super easy conversation. And I remember thinking after we got off we got off our call, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, yeah, that podcast is gonna be just fine. Like Nate's gonna. Like he was super easy to talk to, like, you know, ask some great questions to me, even though we were recording, we were just chatting. Right. So I was, uh, I was super happy, um, that you decided to, you know, kind of reach out to Dan and, and say this was something that you were interested in. And yeah, I'm excited to see where you take, where you take this podcast and, you know, how it kind of looks going forward. Yeah, me too. That's kind of the uh, excitement going forward, I guess. Got a new challenge, new thing to do. Yeah. And, uh, it's kind of been a joke at with my wife. She's always like, when are you going to do your own podcast? When are you going to do your own podcast? Cause I love, love listening to them. And, um, and it just kind of said, Oh, you know, maybe when I get some more free time or whatever, cause I just feel like you never have enough time to do those kind of things. But I've been, I've been so immersed in just Michigan hunting, fishing, just being outside. Um, I don't even, I, I mean, it's just been part of my life. I mean, I got pictures of me floating around, you know, three, four years old, shooting my bow, 
uh, always, you know, tagging along my uncles and my grandpas, fit, hunting, fishing, both sides of my family were, you know, outdoors people. So I've just, this has been a way of life for, you know, I'm 33 years old. This has always been the way it's been. I yeah. don't know any different. It's all you know. Yeah. Yep. That's it. And then the kind of the funny thing, how this all transpired, uh, we actually, uh, my son, Henry, he loves John Deere tractors. Like that's his jam. My, both my uh, dad, my father-in-law have hobby farms and, uh, so for his birthday, we took him to the John Deere Museum in Iowa, and I have no idea how far away we we're from like where Dan lives or anything like that. But I was listening to some of his podcasts and other ones on the you know that I like to listen to. And that night on the way home, my wife was like, "You really need to do a podcast. Like, I think you'd do good. Like, this is kind of you know these guys talk about all the stuff you already talk about." And I was like, "I don't know. Same thing as always." And that night, I'm putting my son to bed, and I happened to. uh just open up the phone and uh, Dan was like, anyone interested in Michigan podcast? And I was like, I feel like it's my sign to reach it's out. And yeah. yeah. Then I'll fast forward a few months and it's happening. So kind of seems crazy, but definitely exciting and ready to rip on this. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I it, like that, that was teed up for you. Right. I mean, to have the conversation with your wife, you know, you're in Iowa, you have this conversation, you know, like, yeah, Nate, you really should do this, right? Like, I think you'd be good at it. Like, it's something you're passionate about. You really enjoy talking about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's always kind of a, a leap of faith, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Like, it's you never know how it's going to be received. You know, am I going to, you know, be interested? Like, am I going to be able to find interesting guests and interesting topics and, you know, all the kind of the background that goes into these podcasts? And And then, yeah, sure enough, Dan, you know, puts that out there and it's, yeah, you'd have been crazy not to, right? Like, I feel like if you wouldn't have like responded in hindsight, you'd been like, "I missed my chance." Could right? like, should have. Yeah, I don't yeah, live life that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, in uh, and I think the biggest thing for me, like, uh, you know, I try to be goal oriented, and you know, I'm I'm focused on you know certain things. Like, obviously, family comes first, and those uh, certain responsibilities I have to have for my day job and that. So I was always like you know, the time commitment, um, you know, I don't want to do something like, I don't want to put forth a good effort, I guess. So just yeah. making sure I had that time and, you know, the way the transitions of my life and how things are going, um, for me and my wife, both in our careers, it's kind of like, okay, it's starting to kind of relax a little bit. Like we still have a lot of responsibilities, but like there actually is a little bit more free time. So I don't like free time. I get a little crazy <laughs> when I have free time. So I'm like, you know, what, I'll do this. And, uh, just making sure that, still do it at a high quality, you know, like yeah. put forth a good effort. Um, yeah. And <laughs> allocating time is always like we, a lot of us guys talk about that with families for, you know, in the fall. Oh yeah. Like when you're deer hunting, like, you know, you've talked about it, you have property that's maybe a few hours away or yep. trying to, you know, set up that time. So like, you don't really have much time. So it's always like for me, risk versus reward kind of like, Am I going to take a gamble on today? Is it going to be worth it? Or do I wait until yeah. that cold front comes in? Or, you know, did I get a chance to set trail cameras? And is this a good, you know, high quality sit, you know? So same thing with this. It's like, is my time invested into this going to help, you know, quality of life or, you know, yeah. be good for the family and all that. And so far, everything I've kind of looked into and done and talked about, I don't see how it could make me unhappy. Yeah. So I think well, I'll tell I can you talk the biggest... about hunting, which I love to do. <laughs> well, well, that that's exactly like the point I was going to make is you have an outlet now, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, if your wife's anything like my wife, like they, my wife humors me when I want to talk about hunting or fishing or something like that, right? Like 
She doesn't want to contribute. She'll, yeah, for those at home, like I'm using air quotes, she will listen to what I am saying, but she doesn't give a rip about it, right? So it's like, especially like if I get a deer or I have a great sit with a great, you know, a really good encounter with a deer or something like it, just maybe things just didn't quite work out or, you know, you're, you're pulling cards and, you know, you come across like a new deer, like, you know, you're talking late October, right? Like deer on the move, like all of a sudden there's a new buck in the picture and you're like, whoa, like where'd this guy come from? Now you're getting all jacked up. So like, I'm trying to talk to her with like all this excitement and everything like that. She's just like, mm-hmm. So when are you going again? Right? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Like, so when are you going to be gone? And yeah, like it gives you that outlet to talk to other people who are as passionate about, you know, hunting and fishing in the outdoors as you are. And, um, you know, the, the, that's when, you know, you make new friends, you, you know, get new access to properties potentially. Like there's just so many like cool things that come out of, 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 you know, hosting a podcast. And for me, it's always been like, you just meet a ton of really cool people. Right. And, and you get to hear some really cool stories that you otherwise probably wouldn't have heard. And, you know, usually at the end of it, like you kind of have a new friend out of mm-hmm. it, too. And that's, you know, that's something that as we get older, uh, as you know, as adults and things like that, like making new friends, like it's just not something that's like on your radar. Right. It, it, it kind of becomes um, what's the word I'm looking at. It becomes like very natural. It's not a forced type thing when you already have like all these common interests. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's awesome. You're you're gonna absolutely love it. Yeah, same people kind of a thing too, and you know, like I want um, this opportunity to learn too, like yeah. ever evolving kind of thing. And I like that aspect, learning from people. But also, like every time we go out and hunt or do whatever we do outside, we kind of have like a story or a memory, mm-hmm. and I get a kick out of hearing those, like hearing guys talk about something cool that happened to them or the effort they put into something, you know. I did all this work and leg work and then all it's like magic, you know, the deer appears and this bucket yeah, you know, shooting or whatever, you know, like yep. that's what we go out there and do that for the story and for the memory and having an outlet for other people to come on and share that is, you know, is important. And it's also healthy, I think for, you know, people who love this for a hobby and you know, there's a lot worse things you can do than sit down and chit chat about being outside and being on the outdoors you know, for an hour a night or something, yeah. um, you know, better being at a bar or doing those kind of things. It's healthy, I think. And yeah, developing relationships with people is never a bad thing. So, yeah. So you kind of touched on it um, when we first started here, but tell the people a bit about yourself, Nate, you know, where about, you know, kind of geographically where you're located in Michigan, you know, what, what your upbringing looked like in the outdoors. I mean, I know you mentioned, you know, both sides of your family, you know, grew up in the outdoors. So kind of walk me through, through you know your past your upbringing and all that yeah so i'm 33 years old i uh i live north of grand rapids about you know 15 miles 20 25 minutes away um so i'm in kent county and i we've lived here since i was you know since i've i think six years old or something so you know quite a while um so i do a lot of hunting in kent county I uh, have a family, my grandpa owns property up in Misaki County, so like an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes north, so that's kind of where I started hunting. My dad grew up there, you know, and then moved down here for work back in the day, but um, so I grew up, uh, it wasn't if I was going to be a deer hunter, it was when I was going to, you know, shoot my first deer, yeah. and uh, I was fortunate that my dad and my uncle, they were kind of like the first generation of uh, bow hunters in their area. So, like, my uncle shot a deer with his bow when he was 12, 
and oh, wow. it was a buck and it was a huge deal like he was in the newspaper all this stuff in the town that they grew up in so i've been immersed in bow hunting my whole life um i'm the oldest on both sides of the family for uh my parents you know i'm the oldest grandkid and my mom's side of the family was big time hunters and my dad's side so it was a perfect uh recipe for me to just be a whitetail hunter you know and deer hunter i mean small game uh you know ducks geese rabbits deer fishing i did all that growing up so i've been uh you know my primary thing is whitetails i love that the most but i do get a kick out of doing the other things in the off season but yeah i've um yeah i've been i've been killing deer since i was 12 years old pretty much yeah. you know that's just kind of how i grew up was a family full of uh deer killers i guess would kind of be the the philosophy but that's morphed into more of now um i don't just kill deer anymore i'm more targeting you know the bigger older deer right kind of almost went too far you know like <laughs> passing really really good deer and doing these things and you know like passing four and a half year old deer passing three and a half year old deer the last couple of years which is pretty crazy but i love it like that's just kind of my thing um so it's kind of cool being able to do that in michigan but in order to do that i have lots of permission properties um little pieces of property all over like i don't even know how many spots i have um and sometimes i don't even hunt them because there's not a deer there to hunt but yeah that's kind of the past 10 years i've really focused on finding a big deer to shoot and i love it that's my yeah thing. and you know for for michigan i mean you know growing up so i'm, I'm a few years older than you are but but growing up um you know in a, in a hunting family as well um a lot of it was i don't want to go as far as to say like if it's brown it's down type of thing especially when it comes to like you know bucks but you know when i was young you know my dad kind of you know gave me free reign he was like and we hunted a lot of public uh when i was growing up i mean my grandpa had like 40 acres but man it's it's hard to hunt more than one guy on 40 acres right if you're mm -hmm. really trying to be effective um so it was a lot of hey if you want to take it go ahead and take it right like i'm not we're out here like if, if that's the the deer that gets you riled up like if you're excited take it like you know do the, the things that we've talked about and things that you're taught and and go ahead and squeeze the trigger you know because i wasn't even bow hunting when i was young i didn't pick that up till till later you know till i was in my 20s but it's um it's nice to hear that there are probably more pockets in michigan where you know, there's, there's guys and gals that are, are really taking that approach and, and really targeting that older class buck. Um, because I think that with kind of a, a younger generation of hunters, let's say like guys probably like more in our age who, who maybe grew up, you know, kind of shooting any buck that they could, because that was just kind of how we did things in Michigan for a really long time. But as we've gotten older and there's been, you know, more information at our disposal in terms of, you know, what letting these deer go, letting, you know, let them grow till the next year, you know, because I mean, the, the most typical thing in Michigan is like the two and a half year old day point, right? Like, look at the Michigan buck pole. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of great deer, but I mean, if someone had a dollar for every two and a half year old eight point that was killed in Michigan, someone would be a very, very rich man or hundred that matter. Point too. That's the thing. Like they're, it's yeah. not, it's a hundred inch eight point, 105 inch eight point two year old, which, which is kind of cool. I, you teed that up for me because 
I want to say, some 33, 22 years ago uh, up north. And this is Misaki County, you know, farmland, all that stuff. My crap was a farmer. Um, they, my dad and uncle, they did a self-imposed antler point restriction. Okay. Uh, we didn't, they didn't shoot nothing unless there was four on a side. Yeah. Now, you're a half old, four on a side is down like you know <laughs> oh yeah you, you if it didn't matter how old it was if it had four points on the side you shot it so i believe i i didn't shoot my first deer i shot my first deer actually my first buck with a gun when i was 14 okay um and it was a seven point four inside so like my first buck but it was a year and a half old tiny like i mean it's mounted on a wall back behind me and it is it's like, man, I can't believe that thing was a seven point for how little it was, Yeah, but it is. And so we did that for quite a while. Like that was kind of the thing. Um, and, but you know, Michigan hunters are real good at killing deer. So yeah. it was kind of like, we kind of had, and we've, so like having neighbors on the same page has always been like what we've done. Um, so, you know, you try to develop a relationship with your neighbor. Hey, we're going to pass these deer. Hey, um, you know, let's do this. And then, you know, you'd get some guys that would, some guys that wouldn't. And for a long time, the um, the one neighbors, they own property. They didn't, and they cleaned house on year and a half full bucks every year. You know, this yeah. is before cell cams and, you know, trail cameras, all that, you know, communicated through walkie-talkies. So you'd know what channel they're on. You're, you quick flip the channel to what they like to use. You're a guy, oh, yeah, I just shot a four-point or, oh, got another spike. And you start tailing them up, and it's like, man, you know, guys were killing multiple bucks every year on properties, yeah. you know, Two up there. Like, yeah. A lot of bucks get killed. And, uh so let's say, yeah, probably 10 years ago, I want to say 2008 or 2000, yeah, 2008, I was in high school. I bought my first trail camera um, and because I was hunting more up here or down here in Kent County and I would, you know, see bucks and see bigger deer and all this. And I was like, okay, this is a little different. Um, there's still a lot of hunters, but there's kind of like small pockets where you don't see a gun blind. You don't see, you know, no one's hunting that because it's only five acres or 10 acres. So I kind of like made it my bread and butter to kind of get get permission on some of those pieces kind of close by set a trail camera out and i was like oh my gosh like where they're all at there's there's i remember the first time i got a picture of a three and a half year old buck and i was like i think is a booner it's giant you know like <laughs> and that just completely changed my whole mindset yeah. um i was passing deer has never been a hard thing for me because i've been fortunate to be hunt where there's a lot of deer you know you talk about talking hunting public land you know I've hunted public land, but not because I have to, because I just, I'm going to go hunt over there today or yeah. I'm going to go scout this. I've always had properties with deer. Um, but once I saw that first buck, that was a three and a half year old. And it was probably, you know, 120 to 130 inch deer. Yeah. I was like, they, they exist. Mm. Like, cause that was the narrative, you know, it's like a unicorn. there's no big bucks in Michigan. There's yeah. None. You know, that's yeah. what we were told. So if you see an ear wide eight point, you shoot that thing because yeah, if you don't the neighbor is going to blah 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 so yeah so i kind of got i kind of stepped out of my comfort zone started hunting properties that was not my family farm property and then that just opened pandora's box for me and i kind of made a commitment i had shot a buck i got a trail cam picture of him and i was like okay this is a big deer like i mean judging trail cam pics back in the early days you had no idea what you were looking oh, at yeah. you thought it was huge and it wasn't amazing but, what the quality is now yep yeah, so i shot my first uh I shot a buck that was on camera and I was, I called him, I had a name for him. I didn't want to say it was named Shorty because his one side was shorter than the other. And I was like, that's a 125 inch buck. I'm shooting him. So went to a spot, hung a stand, sat there, you know, maybe a day or two later in the morning, he came through, 
worked a scrape 18 yards. I smoked him, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And I got up to him, and he was dramatically smaller than I thought. Probably either a really big year-and-a-half-old or a two-and-a-half-year-old, like that 100-inch size. And yeah. I remember being pumped about it. But also I was like, man, it's not as big as I thought it was. I've seen bigger deer than this. So I'm like, and then from then it took five years to shoot my next buck because I was just adamant at passing. Yeah. And um, it's been the best thing I've done. Like learning how to find the bigger deer, learning how to do that. I've had such a fulfillment in that aspect of it that I'm hooked. And now it's just kind of how I am. Like I still, you know, I still have shot three and a half year old bucks. And, you know, when you have a 140 inch buck, that's three and a half years old. Like pretty hard to pass with a bow in your hand, you know, like, yeah, yeah. especially when you've never I'm shot a that big. So I've kind of always kind of had that mindset of like working my way up the ladder. Um, and yeah, I've been fortunate, but I don't really, I don't, I don't need to have 20 bucks, 130 inches. Like that's not my MO, you know, just yeah. trying to get bigger and bigger and do that. And I love it. And that's what makes me happy. And I try to talk to as many people as I can knock on doors, show trail cam pictures be like, Hey, we're all passing deer like this. If you want to, you know, we're on board and, you know, be that persistent neighbor. And we're at a point where I can't believe the size of deer that neighbors are passing. Like not just me, like I have buddies that pass deer and neighbors and I'm like that away. And it's like inspiring for us too. So like, I'm kind of in that, that aspect of hunting. Now I also have my grandpa who's 83 years old, who straight up is a killer. Like that dude goes mm-hmm. out and he shoots a buck every year, sometimes two shoots his fair share of does, loves it, gets a kick out of it is literally the funnest Opening day, opening couple days, awesome. I have so much fun just being there with him and watching him shoot deer and the smile and the fun he has. So, like, I have one of my best friends, same way. He sh- a six-point walks by him, he's blasting it, and I love it. Like, so <laughs> I, I have both aspects. So I think that's something that I really, you know, to I if you tell me you want to pass deer and you want to do that, then I'll kind of be like, okay, let's do this. I'll hold your feet to the fire. But if you're straight up like me, I just like to shoot deer and – I'm cool with it. Hey, I'm happy for you. And I will help you track it and I'll help you gut it. And I'll do all that with you too. So I kind of got both aspects. I grew up that way. So, and I still have my, you know, family members who are that way. And I've also gone down my own kind of way with my, you know, a couple other people, but yeah, I just love it. Yeah. It's like having that, uh, that discipline to be able to do that and, you know, hold yourself accountable that because yeah, it could be real easy, you know, on, year four of your five-year drop between shooting bucks to be like man like i know it's not the deer i'm after or the 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 class of deer that i'm after but it's still a really nice deer like i'm just gonna go ahead and shoot this deer this year right like he's he's standing 20 yards broadside it's like well you know like no one's gonna know but me and it's still a nice deer and and this and that (laughs) but no to hold yourself accountable and to to really be like that discipline in your approach, like kudos to you, man, because I don't think there's, you know, there's a ton of people out there um, who are actually doing that, you know, year in, year out on a consistent basis. I mean, there might be guys who talk about it, but, you know, maybe they'll, you know, do it for a year, do it for two years, get a little itchy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know what, I'm just, I need to take a buck. Right. And I think that might come from, you know, external pressure, you know, if they think they've got to, you know, kind of puff up their chest and say, Oh, I've, you know, my, I've kept the streak alive of shooting, you know, a deer every year in Michigan or something like that. And mm-hmm. that's, that's not the case. Like if you have a plan and you know how to, you know, you put a, 
or you excuse me, you have a goal and you put a plan in place to, to execute that kind of like what you said, like being very goal driven and, and goal oriented. Um, I mean, that's, that's what you need to do. And I, I, I guess that no one's probably a bigger critic of you than yourself. Right. So it, it'd be kind of hard to look in the mirror at night knowing that, you know, you said you were going to do one thing and you did another, you know? Yeah. I'd lose sleep over that. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and neighbors will shoot those bucks. Uh, oh, we've yeah. had, we've had, I think three years in a row, four and a half year old bucks, uh, ones that we've all passed multiple times up to that point. And me and my dad and a couple of neighbors. And, you know, this is like North, this is Kent County and Mississauga County. This is not like we're a hundred some miles apart. Like this isn't just like, I don't have like this little like Mecca of one property. These are like multiple properties, multiple spots, different deer every year. Um, and everyone's like, okay, we're passing the deer. And we're like, are we sure? Like we have to like have like a little thing. <laughs> and once we lot. like do it, we do it. And, you know, then a neighbor half mile away, mile away, you know, has shot that buck, um, you know, three years in a row and you got to get to the point where that's okay. And yeah, that's, it's not easy to be okay with it. But like, once you get to that point, you're like, okay, like that's fine. Because if I would have shot him that one time he walked by at three and a half years old, I would not have been as happy as I am seeing that picture of that dude who is absolutely ecstatic that he shot 140 inch deer in Michigan. You know, yeah. like, and I don't like, I'm not just putting, you know, numbers. I'm just trying to explain how big they can get at four or three and a half years old. Like yeah. 140 inch deer is realistic at that age because they're oh, that sure. old, you know? Um, yeah. They're and, peak maturity. Yeah. And like, I, I've only had a handful of bucks that I know are over four and a half years old. Like I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, okay, like at four and a half, he's this big, how big could he get? Like, is yeah. where are we, where's the baseline? Cause I've, I've for the past, I want to say, last eight or nine years i've hunted out of state every year except for last year okay. so i've been to kentucky illinois missouri iowa uh tennessee so like we've always done these me and my dad have always done these hunting trips for like a week or nine days and seen just some amazing bucks like this is another way of hunting so like that kind of was like okay michigan has the exact same terrain maybe better yeah. we have better food than some of those places we've been to we have more deer like the only reason why that buck was that big is because that is the biggest bodied you know big swayed back you know like you, the typical five or six year old buck you see and has an impressive set of headgear on his head so we're like all we need to do is just get bucks that old and then yeah. we'll be there and then guess what i don't have to go to illinois and yeah. hunt for you know, five a lot of money yeah exactly <laughs> like do those kind of things so um that, you know, that might be a lie. I like going out of state and doing hunting trips with my buddies. But, you know, what I'm saying, yeah. like, the option yeah. to have a buck that's as big there. Yeah. And I think it's realistic. Like, it can happen. Um, but, yeah, so it's just, like, getting them to the five-and-a-half-year-old or six-and-a-half-year-old. And, you know, I'm disciplined, but if a 160-inch buck walks by and he happens to be four-and-a-half years old, I'm shooting him. Like, yeah. I don't, like, I'm not to that point yet where it's like, oh, this is going to be the future, you know. I'm just trying to get to that point and yeah. hopefully I don't get tested with that because I'm not like set in stone, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be like, you know, the people you see in Iowa who are passing these just absolutely crazy yeah. deer, but Damn, maybe one day it's not there yet. Maybe if there's five or six of them running around, I'll do that, but not right now. So yeah, that's just kind of the transition. And I kind of like to take people for this kind of journey and maybe there'll be more people that will get in the same ballpark as us and, you know, get out, get out there, talk to your neighbors, because to me, like the only way this is going to happen is if more people do it. 
Yeah. Like, I don't think the government's going to help us. I don't think, you know, we just had something kind of go on, you know, with APR thing not come through. It's like, my only option is to get as many people on board and see where this takes us. So yeah, yeah, that's like that's how it goes. Which brings you to you kind of had a perfect kind of segue there without knowing it. How do you feel about Michigan being a two buck state? Would you would you rather see it be a one buck state, or are you like okay with kind of the way the combo tag is currently set up? So I I don't have an issue with combo tag. Um, I think the price. So of all the people you know that kill bucks in a year, you know, we kind of have like our own little group of people who maybe a guy will shoot a really nice buck and, you know, then maybe shoots a second buck. But I think, I think if you only have one buck, what, how many people are actually going to hold out? Because how many guys as a whole, Michigan has so many hunters, me and you and some other guys, we actually do probably have multiple opportunities at decent bucks yeah. in a year. I don't, I know a lot of people who are friends who don't. So is they only ever shoot one buck maybe like they don't yeah. shoot two bucks so you know and a lot of those bucks get shot with a gun uh they might oh, get yeah. shot in late season with a gun they might get shot the first week of october and that might be the only deer they shoot the whole year um so the i'm not convinced that the one buck thing is going to actually like substantially help because there's so many hunters in michigan um uh, obviously like there's you know people can you know argue with the fact that indiana is where it is because of the one buck thing or ohio is a one buck state um but we still have way more hunters than them you know we shoot a lot of bucks per square mile compared to them so i think it just comes down to self-discipline i mean if you're the guy that's like oh yeah i'm for one buck because i wouldn't have shot that two and a half year old buck if i only had one tag well shame on you why'd you shoot him anyways like, yeah. you're telling me that you would not have shot him if you had one buck tag, but you're yeah. willing to shoot him with two buck tags. That makes yeah. no sense to me. Like you should shoot that buck because you should go into it and be like a buck comes by. And if you're happy with that deer, no matter what, that's the buck you should shoot. If yeah. you have guilt or like, Oh, you know, I would have passed him. Pass him. Yeah. Cause guess it's, what? It's he might be easy. giant next year. You know, yeah. the next guy down, like he's never going to get any older. So like, that's kind of my argument. Like, People, oh, you know, shooting a 120 inch buck in Michigan is like shooting a 150 somewhere else. Like, it's still a 120. Like, that's kind yeah. of my mindset, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sold. I mean, I've seen some statistics and I know a lot of bucks get shot with a gun, you know, the first week or whatever a season. And maybe if you could pull everyone individually and then they would say something. But I think a lot of guys would still shoot young deer with one buck. Thick. I yeah. think it would happen. Yeah, I think so. I think you, I think you make a very good point there. What I hate seeing when it comes to like two bucks is during like firearm season when and I talked about this with someone else, and you know, like I'm I'm gonna go back to like the Michigan buck poll because it's I mean if you're on Instagram and you're in Michigan and you hunt like you're 100% following that mm-hmm. that Instagram page, right? And it, it, like there's I mean, to say that there's not good bucks, that it's not a good, I mean, that is living proof right there that year after year, like giants hit the dirt in Michigan Mm -hmm. every year, right? What I hate seeing is, you know, you got a guy sitting there with two bucks, you know, two, two and a half year old eight points that, you know, one came out and he shot it. He's like, and two minutes later, another one came out right behind it. And I shot that one too. It's like, (laughs) man, like that, that's a hard pill for me to swallow sometimes because it's like, wasn't one just good enough? Like, just be happy with that kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, but 
I mean, he's well within his right to do it. You know, I don't, I don't want to like criticize that, but it's like, man, you, you took a really, you know, what you thought was, you know, was a good buck for you or for a lot of people for that matter. It was a buck you wanted to shoot. Like, let's just be happy with that. Right. Like, let let that other guy come out because next year, you know what, when he walks out, he's going to be a heck of a lot bigger than he was this year. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing too. Like, I'd love to see that statistic. Like how many people actually do shoot, you know, two bucks with a gun or bow. Like you see guys that'll shoot two bucks in the same night with a bow. Also like it happens. Like, I want to know, like actually like how often does that happen? Um, like I was, oh, I think I was 15. I shot a buck uh, opening morning with my gun. And then I had a really rough bow year that year. I think I hit a buck with my bow, missed a buck with my bow, couldn't pull my bow back with a bow. Like I had like a three, like three things happened during bow season. I was just like, this is terrible. You know, it was really rough. I was 15, you know, and uh, this buck comes out, smoked it. Awesome. My dad was with me. It was great. Um, and then he ended up going, uh, I think he went to, he, I don't know if he went to Iowa or he went to Illinois. I think he went Illinois gun hunting the next week. And so then I had went back up North with a family friend and hunted by myself. So I shot the one buck opening day. And like, I want to say three days later was the weekend. And I went out all by myself with my grandpa. He, you know, went to my spot, he went to his spot and I had shot, I don't know, I shot like a little eight point or something. So I had my four by tag was used. Yeah, and sure, six point year and a half old six point came out, dusted that thing too. You know, shot two <laughs> bucks in three days, and you know what? Like they're both three year and a half old, and I literally was like, "I'm done hunting. This kind of sucks." And I didn't really shoot anything that special at the time because, like, we've always had the mindset: kids shoot whatever they want. Like, yeah. let them go. You know, do that. It was never like let them get the experience. I kind of self imposed like the four by rule for a little bit, but also like. I had free reign, like you said, like I could shoot anything legal, like that was fine. And I did that and I never being like, oh, pump, like this is so cool. Like my grapple yeah. was all static for me, you know, uh, guess what? I've never done that again. Like I grew up to an extent and knew that like, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, so I think there's kind of like that. Every guy, every outdoorsman has got to like figure that out for themselves. So then that goes, that's across the board with like you're harvesting deer, uh, you know, shooting waterfowl, fishing, like all these things, like you at the end of the day got to be morally okay with the actions that you do. Yep. If you are not and you can't handle that, then like, I don't know if maybe I want to be friends not. with you. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, you know, that's yeah, maybe that hunting thing. just isn't for you, right? Yes. Like that's just not the way I look at the outdoors and like my lifestyle is that way. So I think it's a good learning experience. Like I said, I've been through it. I worked through it. I went from Man, if I saw a doe with a bow on my hands, whap, I shot it. Like, I went through that stage in my life. I shot three does in, like, two nights. Like, I've done that. Like, I grew, you know, when I was a kid, like, I loved it. Like, you're making jerky. You're doing all the stuff for your buddies. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you shot three deer. And, you know, you're doing that kind of thing. And, you know, as I've progressed through my life, you know, helping other people hunt, you know, buddies, brother-in-laws, brothers, siblings, like, all this stuff, it's kind of, like, morphed into what I am today. And, you know, 10 years from now, it – who knows what that's going to be like, you yeah. know? So I think that's just kind of like, I always like to challenge people like, you know, what are you doing it for? What's the reasons why, you know, this is happy for you. And also like, we want this to stay around. So yeah, let's be responsible and do these kind of things. And I would love if we could have a government we could trust. I don't know if we can, I don't know what the DNR is. I don't know who knows what's going on yeah. there. You know, you like to think that, but um, I, you know, you feel like you have certain you know, statistics and all this stuff going on. But at the end of the day, 
I think it just comes down to you being moral and picking out your your choice. But yeah, I I cringe when I see those two year and a half old bucks sitting in a guy's back of his truck, being like, "Oh yeah, I just shot these thirty seconds apart or whatever." It's like that's a cool story. Like, please don't do that again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, please don't do that again. Um, It'll be interesting to see, like, with the new reporting system, um, Mm -hmm. like if they'll be able, like, you know, five years from now, uh, since they just implemented it last year, um, you know, (coughs) excuse me what that data will look like, what that data will show, how that data will um, essentially, you know, change restrictions, you know, tag limits, you know, all these types of things, right? If they're seeing, I mean, I think we can probably already generalize it that what 85% of the deer, 90% of the deer are shot like November 15th and November 16th, like every year, you know, that's crazy. It's, 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 it's so skewed those Mm -hmm. first two days of gun season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, obviously you know, growing up in Michigan, like it's, it's a freaking holiday for, mm-hmm. for most of us. Right. I mean, where I grew up, we didn't have school on November 15th, if it fell on a weekday, right. Because, you know, rural Northern Michigan, um, you don't need kids standing at the bus stop, you know, horsing around with people, you know, potentially within shooting distance, you know, holding a gun in their hand. So like it was more of a safety thing, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how things play out over the next you know five to ten years with that. And the you kind of talked about you know kind of like a self imposed like um, four point restriction that you would like you were kind of just using yourself and the property that 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 I hunt that my in laws own. Um, so my brother in law and I do a ton of the work there. Um, you know, between cameras and stands and habitat work, like all the things that, you know, people do with their own property. We kind of have a rule, like, you know, we'll put a bunch of cameras out. We've already got some, we've got maybe seven or eight out already. Um, you know, as we kind of bleed into like late July, like we'll start to get kind of deploy the rest of them and we'll check on them periodically throughout August. Excuse me. And then I think like, um, labor day is like our hard stop like okay we'll do one last check on labor day and then you know basically the entire month of september like we don't want to be in there we don't want to ruffle any feathers nothing like that so we by that point we have a pretty good idea of deer we want to target right and usually our kind of general rule of thumb is you know of the let's say four to five maybe a good year you got six deer that you're like yeah like that that's a deer i really want to you know i would really shoot like okay if you take if you are fortunate enough to take one of those the second one has to be bigger right like that's just that's just how we're how we do it right like and it's worked and we've only taken i took the second year we hunted that i took a buck during bow season and one during gun season and that's the only year we've one person has taken two bucks off of there. Usually the last three years, we've only taken one buck off there each, not even each, just one between me, my brother-in-law and uh, my father-in-law. So we're, yeah, we're, we're very particular. We're, we're, we're pretty picky. Um, and it's paid dividends, um, mm-hmm. because we, you know, the kind of the age class and just the class of deer every year seems to get a little bit better. We're just like, Holy cow. Like, where where have all these deers been it's like oh well you know all those you know two and a half year olds that we saw last year three and a half year olds that we saw last year that maybe we would have shot never had an opportunity well 
guess what? There's, they stuck around, they played the game well, and now they're four and a half. And man, now it's, it's something I really want to go after. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it certainly like that methodology certainly works with, with being selective and, you know, going after a higher age class of deer. Yeah. That's kind of what I like. You know, I talked about that five year dry spell I went through. Um, that was my mindset. I was like, okay. Like I thought worst case I was going to be like, I, I kind of figured it would be three years like before I would start like getting like somewhere. Cause I had to yeah. learn how to hunt bigger deer. I had to like learn where to the were, learn how to deal with pressure. Like that's right when I learned to access routes and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of got into more trail cameras, scrapes, like all, cause I think, I mean, I can't remember when can we, I never really bait hunted in Michigan. Like yeah. my, my family did like, my grandpa and all that stuff. So like there was bait piles, you know, around, but like, I never really like hunted them very much. I can't remember yeah. when that, um, ended, but so like, a while. Yeah, yeah. So like I, even, I know like in high school and stuff, like I didn't I ever had a, like a corn pile or nothing like that. I never hunted that way. Um, one, because I didn't have time to like go yeah. and bait all these little it's spots. I had. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, so that kind of was one thing. And, um, I didn't have the resources or money to have like stands everywhere. So like yeah. I like kind of like this, it was like a perfect storm. Like that's when I mobile hunted. That's when I got some cameras. That's when I like really learned how to like walk in and out of the woods, without spook and stuff. Because when you go in there and you like deer walk by you and you don't shoot them, like you learn real quick how they react to like your presence being there because oh, yeah. you're like, it used to be deer comes in, you shoot the first thing you see. So like mm-hmm. then there was this whole challenge of like being there hunting, letting deer do deer stuff, not spook them. And then try to wait because like I learned with trail cameras, oh, there's some does. Oh, there's a little buck. Oh, there's a little buck. The last deer that comes by is usually the biggest one. Yep. So it's like, how do I hunt and let all them deer go by or swing in around the backside so I don't spook any of those deer, don't even see them. The only thing I see is a big one. And I can't tell you many times like the deer I was after would come by, you know, 20 minutes after dark or so it's like, oh, okay, yeah. well, I only have the property lines there. I can't go any closer to the deer. So then you learn how to hunt weather fronts. You learn how to hunt time of year. You learn when I, I didn't just have one spot to hunt. I had multiple. So it's like, this spot's really good this time of year. This is a good night spot. This is a good morning spot. Like I yeah. really forced myself in that five years to learn how to hunt deer with a bow and hunt for bigger deer. And it was like the best thing ever. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't shoot a deer with my bow. I don't even think I shot a buck with my gun even. I might have shot one buck with my gun during that time. But this is like bow hunting. And it was yeah, it was the greatest thing ever for me for that. But, like, I kind of told myself, it's if I don't shoot them and no one else in the area is shooting them, eventually one of these deer is going to get bigger because yeah, it's got to happen. I mean, it just has. I mean, granted, cars kill deer, neighbors kill deer, all that. But I kind of went in that mindset. And ever since then, I've had this, like, they're not always the same property, but like not all those properties every year I have a buck I can target. On. Yeah. Like, so like total to me, it was worth the investment and I'm still alive. Like I'm still here. I'm okay. <laughs> that I didn't kill a deer. Like I still have friends, you know? I, yeah. I don't yeah. necessarily have like, my the wife Facebook. still loves me. Yeah. It's that old, <laughs> my wife's like, Oh, you're good, babe. You know, these does are really nice. They keep shooting, but you know, yeah. I, you it know, all tastes the same to me. and yeah. And it was just like totally worth the, the effort in that. And you know, we, we talked about the Michigan butt pool thing, like the, um, the social media aspect of that, like, there's pressure there. Like, oh, yeah. you can't deny that. Like people like, yeah, like I, 
not every deer I've killed I've put on social media or Instagram for other reasons, you know. But yeah, when I do put one on there, it's a cool picture or something like that. It's cool to have that on there or on the, you know, one of the Facebook pages or something like that, just to kind of show off the hard work. But you can't, I try not to let that influence what I do. And that's, that's, and I think that's going to be something I'm going to try really hard to stay true to that with doing this podcast thing, because now I'm going to be like immersed in it more than I've ever been. Like I've never been one to comment a lot on stuff or like, you know, go in, you know, make posts. I don't even hardly post any on Facebook or Instagram right now. So like, I want to make sure I stay true to my, my core beliefs with how I handle the outdoors and like how I handle family and do these things. And like, I I don't want to be influenced by the pressure for likes or the pressure for this kind of stuff. I just want to be real, want to be authentic, want to explain how I hunt other people in the state who do these kind of cool things or, you know, people who like to do that and just kind of keep it that way. Like, no, (laughs) I like social media, but I also could do without it. But it's really cool to see a dude on that Michigan Buckle page. You're like, oh my gosh, that deer is giant. It's giant. Where yeah. do you shoot that? <laughs> like, yeah. Where? And you're oh, like, Jackson County. Oh, yeah, that's, that's nice. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the city of Ann Arbor? No yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I love it. Yeah, I'm like, like this whole adventure going down here, like, you know, trying to just be consistent once a week, have a sweet podcast that hopefully is. Yeah, entertaining for people and then yeah like not just gonna be whitetail focused we talked about that a little bit earlier like that's the thing i like about michigan there's so many other things to do i've oh, dabbled sure. in I, i've dabbled in a lot of them not really that good at anything <laughs> but deer hunting like yeah i can shoot some other things and you know i like doing that but like just getting involved in that and selfishly maybe i can be a better duck caller at the end of this or maybe get a little better at killing turkeys you know or you know get into you know some houndsman stuff and do better at that yeah. And, and then, you know, yeah, learn that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's absolutely like the coolest part is you're going to get the opportunity to talk to people who are, you know, I'm throwing myself into this mixture, but a lot smarter than us when it comes to, you know, these other aspects of the outdoors, these, these other styles of hunting or, you know, hunting for um, specific species or anything like that. So yeah, like just the things that you learn, right. And, uh, you know, anyone who, who, has their own podcast and host podcasts like you, you find yourself listening a lot more than speaking right and it's amazing like it like hosting your own podcast teaches you to listen right because you want to make sure that you're you know stay engaged and you're not just like firing questions off one after another after another and it sounds like an interview like you want it to sound like a conversation and so if i say you know hey nate what do you think about you know the antler restrictions right and we or you know like a tag system and stuff like that and you know we kind of you know, you give me an answer and I say, well, what do you think about, you know, coyote hunting, right? It's like, it feels very forced. And instead of just like listening to some of the cues that you have, or like some of the things that you're saying and asking follow-up questions. And I think that's when you, you, t- you kind of find the sweet spot with your guest and you can really draw a lot of that good information out that they don't even know what's kind of sitting inside of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why podcasts are cool for yeah. that reason right there. It's not a structured um, you know, you watch other things, you know, some of the industry stuff or even like it's so vanilla, you know, like you just yeah. get the same typical answer. And it's like, okay, yep. yes. Like those vanilla answers are true. Like you're not lying, but there's so much more involved yeah. in that. And tell me being, how you really Yeah, exactly. How do you really yeah. feel or like what does that mean? What is an access route? Like, you know, like yeah. that's one thing. Dan Johnson, like 
I need to talk to him more about how he acts and stuff because he kind of just says it and he's like, I got it all figured out. You know, I J hook in or do whatever he does. I'm like, okay, but like, how do you do that? You know, yes. like those are the kind of things that like I want to dig into. Like, Sounds like for me because like, I think county. I understand. I have a way I do it for like the properties I hunt, but like, I want the guy that's like how I was when I was in my early twenties or like late teens, like trying to figure out how to shoot this big deer. I got a tr- picture of yeah. and not know what I'm doing. And like, if I can like say, well, I did this one time and then the light bulb goes off and it's like, Oh my gosh, property so-and-so down the road here. I got this little spot I can park and I can do that same thing. Like those are the things I love about podcasts. Like just yeah. those light bulb moments. Like I shot, uh, shot like one of the biggest bucks I've shot. I shot opening day of 2020. Okay. And I don't know what podcast it was. I can't remember. But like you talked about, you know, September, like try not to touch anything for like yeah. a month before season. Well, then this whole swing for like cold fronts in early October, like guys started talking about how like good that was with scrapes and like all these other things. And in 2020, we had that. It rained like a bunch, like three days before the season. We had this huge cold front coming through. And someone's like, it might have been Andy May. It might have, I don't know who it was, but they're like, I do a speed like scout or like I'll quick check a property out. He's like, I do it smartly. If there's rain, I know where to go. I know where these bucks like to be. I do a real soft, like quick fly through the property. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have a property that would be like, it's money in the first week of the season. Like I could easily drive my truck in there. Not even have to get out of my truck and know what scrapes are hit when they're hit. Yeah. Did that. And I was like, oh my, this giant scrape was hit and rubbed. I could see rubs through the woods from my truck. And I was like, okay, that one buck I've been seeing all summer is definitely probably in here. Went in that night, whap, shot him. Six bucks that came by me that night, I shot him. It was like a 140 inch template. And I was like, I learned that. Like, I knew how to do the access routes. I knew how to do everything. But like, I don't know if I would have hunted that night because. I, or if I would have, I don't know if I would have hunted that spot. I might have hunted a different spot, but because I did that, heard it, and I was like, I have the perfect property. I could just quick take a peek at it, yeah. low intrusion, and it paid off. And I was like, that's, you know, it hasn't happened since, but it happened in 2020. So, like, All you know, once, those yeah. are the things that you can do. And I learned that from a podcast. And, like, I'm not, I'll tell everyone that. Like, how did you know how to do that? I'm like, I learned it from a podcast. Like, yeah, yeah so I still had to. Me. I still had hanging on, you know, I had to pick the right tree. I had to, you know, play the thermals and do all those other things that are involved. But like, right. I was there because of something I heard on a podcast and that's yeah. powerful to me. So, you yeah. know, that's the thing I love. Yeah. So <clears throat> Nate, before I kind of let you get out of here and get back to your evening, we've kind of touched on it, but do you have an idea kind of, I mean, we're kind of in the dog days of summer, you know, I mean, we're shoot late June, staring 4th of July in the face. What, you know, for, for listeners that have had, that have been here and kind of been wondering where the podcast is at and now that it's, it's going to take back off here, like, you know, where do you see the, the podcast going? Like, you know, from, um, you know, topic standpoint, I mean, obviously when we get into the fall, I assume you're going to be super whitetail heavy, but you know, when, when you're in the off months, when you're in the off season, you know, like, what is, what does that look like? Do you think? Yeah. So like right now, you know, like you're saying, it's kind of like we're in limbo from yeah. a whitetail perspective uh you know you talked about having some trail cameras set up i did that for years i would leave them you know go do my spring scout and leave them up all summer um especially with solar panels and cell cams you know you can adjust them on the fly uh last year i got bit real hard with the ants and toasted a bunch of my cell cams um bugs and stuff and had some issues so this year i'm waiting until i think i'm actually gonna wait till labor day 
to like, that's going to be my weekend to do it. I'm going to go in there, know my areas. Cause like, I don't, I have new properties. Yeah. Um, but those like other properties, I'm probably not going to hang a camera to actually like go in there and hunt it for the first time. Cause they're so small. I don't want to really blow the place up. Yeah. So I'm not going to send any cameras until then. Uh, I think so. Let them sit. Like I use a lot of cell cameras because I have great service and like, it just makes sense for me for intrusion sure. and all that, you know? Um, but so other than that, like in the spring food plot game, that was non-existent for us because of this drought. So I have yeah. no really like spring food plot and we're kind of out of that. So I'm thinking moving forward this summer, I got um, some buddies that are into the hound game um, with bear dogs and doing that. So I know they do some training and do some things throughout the summer with their dogs. Um, I have beagles. So there's going to be a little bit of like trying to guys who have dogs and all this, like, you know, I'm, I use hounds like January 1st into March 31st is like my window. I don't do it during deer season because I'm deer hunting, but from like end of March to now, kind of tough to get your dogs doing stuff because it's hot. And, you know, yeah. so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I want to pick some people's brains with what they do with their dogs, how they handle that, you know, cause there's guys that around my area that they're houndsmen. Like they love running their dogs. Yeah. That's their jam. So there's going to be some of that. Also some fishing stuff I want to get into. I'm not a good fisherman. I don't have much experience with river fishing. I just would catch bluegills and bass as a kid on a little rowboat with a trolling motor. That's kind of my extent of fishing. You know, I did a, ice fishing is not really my jam either, but there, I do have some friends that are like really big into bass fishing. So okay. I kind of want to like pick their brains because we've all heard the correlation between if you know how to kill big bucks, you know how to catch big bass. So all right. I kind of want to like pick some brains with that. There's some people that do some of the tournaments locally. Uh, and then also the whole uh, thermal coyote shooting in the summertime. Like that's kind of something I want to pick some uh, people's brains with too, because um, we have lots of coyotes and yeah. I know a few guys that like to go out in the summertime. seems like a great thing. I mean, go around at 11 o'clock at night when it's dark out, you know, go with some buddies and go try to kill some dogs. Like it's with thermals, it sounds cold. like a good time. So yeah, yeah I got absolutely. a couple of things like that. It's going to be a little diversified, you know, with that. And then I'm sure I'll sprinkle in a couple of whitetail stuff. There's, um, I want to do some recaps with some turkey hunts from some people I know. Um, I, I went on a spring black bear hunt. So there's going to be a um, podcast about that. I went to Wyoming. I'm um, going to talk about that and yeah, just try to kind of do a little bit of this and that and get us through the summer. And then, yeah, once, uh, once we start getting the big, my buddies and stuff start getting, you know, pictures of some big bucks and velvet, I'm sure I'm going to be focused on that, but yeah, I got, I got three bucks that I'm really intrigued by. And I, I'm pretty sure I'll be able to see them all from the road or from somewhere class in the summer. So I'm really okay. waiting to go find them. So I've been looking at my pictures from the past and like, okay, what day, what week do I have this buck on camera? Or like, when is he finally like big? And it's like getting close, like yeah. a few Let weeks, I should know. Begin. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I've got looking forward to the summer and yeah, pretty pumped for that. So no, that's awesome. I, I mean, I, I told you when we first talked, I told you before we started recording, I think you're going to be great at this. I think having, you know, a real, kind of diversified portfolio when it comes to topics and guests and things like that. I mean, there's something out there, you know, especially as Michigan, you know, we, we both know this is Michigan has something to offer for, for everyone that loves the outdoors and, you know, all different in all different capacities, I guess. And yeah, there, there's going to be no shortage of, of awesome guests and awesome stories and, and things to talk about. So Nate Roosevelt, I wish you well, my friend, I, uh, I think this is going to be great. I'm going to have to to be sure to follow along and tune in and 
maybe we'll get to sit back down and do this again uh, with the rules a little bit reversed here. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a big old buck from up north is what's gonna happen, you know. Yeah, I wanna see you that <laughs> wanna see you that big old buck you shoot your bow. So you've been working hard on that property, so it's not bound to happen again. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's coming. It's coming. Well. All right, Nate. Take care of yourself, man. I appreciate it and best of luck going forward to you. All right. Well, everybody, uh, a sincere thank you uh, for allowing me uh, to be your host here of the Michigan Wild Podcast uh, for the short amount of time uh, that I was fortunate enough to do it. Uh, thank you to everyone who has uh, tuned in uh, over the course of uh, my stint uh, as host of the podcast. Uh, be sure and stick around and uh, and follow along with Nate uh, as he continues this journey. Uh, as I mentioned before, you guys are uh, in good hands uh, with Nate uh, at the helm and, and everything. So, uh, until we speak again. Stay wild, Michigan.